You know those objects you find when you clean your house and they don't really have a home? There's nowhere for them to go, but you refuse to put them in the trash? I feel this way about loose keys. I feel this way about loose change. I have all this foreign change that I will never spend, but I cannot bring myself to throw it away. So it just sort of goes back loose in the junk drawer. Well, there's one thing that I find sometimes that is always like this little delight. Sometimes, scattered around my house, I find a marble. I've got kids, so these things get dispersed all over and show up in nooks and crannies. And I'm always happy to find a marble. Each one is this beautiful little world, this smooth little object you can look at, notice the different colors. But the truth is, that is about where it ends. That's all I have to glean from a given marble. Like, ooh, shiny, nice. But if I really wanted to understand them, I would go talk to an expert. Someone like Michael Legband, who can dive into the incredible variety and detail of the world of marbles. The Germans made your solid cores, divided ribbons, lutzes, onion skins, micas. Uh, Peltier's really known for their National Line Rainbow Lion that's got your... Michael helps run Lee's Legendary Marbles and Collectibles in York, Nebraska. He handles all the day-to-day operations, he manages the online store, and he says that the museum welcomes visitors of all stripes. You get a lot of marble collectors that are like, oh, I absolutely had to stop. You get a lot of people that find us, and they're like, oh, what? What's a marble museum? So they stop in just to see what's odd, you know? <laughs> and uh, thankfully, most of them like it. I know it's not for everybody, but people get into it. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And today, we will hear about how one man's private collection of marbles grew and grew until he decided to share it with the world. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. While no one knows what tomorrow may bring, Bridgestone is working toward a more positive outlook. With innovations like developing a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials. It's just one of the many ways Bridgestone is making a difference today, for generations to come. Because that's what really matters. 
Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Lee's Legendary Marbles and Collectibles is not located in a major metropolis. It is located on the outskirts of York, Nebraska. And nearby businesses include the Dollar Tree, Tractor Supply, Walmart Superstore. The museum isn't super flashy either. The facade is made of a pale green corrugated metal, brick, and all with a little white trim. If you stand inside the museum and look out across the road, you will see nothing but the flat farms of Nebraska, with nary a marble factory or even a loose marble in sight. It is kind of an oddball place for it because we really never had any, at least to my knowledge, any real production here other than some of your more modern handmade artists. There are some artists around here. But despite its rural location, this museum tells the history of an entire industry. And it tells it all through these thousands and thousands of little round glass spheres. The museum is just chock full of Lee's collection. The display cases lining the walls are filled with bright colored swirls from all around the world. You'll find marbles the size of your knuckle, some the size of a child's fist. There are marbles in buckets, jars, on little individual plinths. Michael Legband has worked with Lee Batterton, the founder of the museum, for over a decade. He stole me from Walmart. <laughs> Michael had been out of college for a couple years and was looking for something new to do. He popped into the shop with his parents, and suddenly things just kind of rolled into place. Asked me if I could look some things up for him. I said, sure, I ain't doing nothing because the parents were slow anyway. <laughs> I looked up a few things and asked me if I wanted a job. And within two days, I had keys to the building. <laughs> and working at the museum, Michael learned not just about marbles but learned about its founder's story. Lee Batterton's interest in marbles began as a kid in Deer Creek, Oklahoma, when he'd win them in backyard shooting competitions. It's been reported that Lee was a really good shot, and so his collection grew quickly. He remained sort of only casually interested in marbles, up until he joined the military in the aftermath of World War II. Lee was stationed in Germany in the early 1950s, and this is where he first encountered handmade marbles. He became fascinated by the workmanship and various styles of the marbles. And after re-entering civilian life, Lee started his own business, repairing and waterproofing grain elevators. This landed him in Nebraska, at least some of the time. And as his right-hand man, Michael Ligband, explains, Lee's line of work kept him busy and traveling for the next 50 years. He's been all over. Traveled all over the United States. Um, I think he did some jobs in Canada and Costa Rica and Puerto Rico. Trained some crews in West Germany back when that was a thing. <laughs> as he traveled, Lee kept an eye out for interesting marbles, just as he did when he was stationed in Germany after the war. He'd pick up a marble here, a couple there, and then bring them home to Nebraska. So in this way, for decades, Lee's marble collection grew and grew. Today, Lee is 89 years old and still involved in the museum. He wasn't up for the full interview, but Michael passed the phone to Lee for a couple of quick questions. And he gave us the inside scoop on his decision to start a marble museum. Lee said it was actually a fellow collector that put him up to it. 
a guy from Omaha came up and was talking about marbles. And I said, oh, I got a whole basement, uh, extra basement room full of them. He went down, looked at them, and he said, Jesus Christ, if I had marbles like that, I'd start me a museum. So that's what I did. So Lee pulled the marbles up from his basement, found a building, and set up display cases. The museum officially opened in 2001. And from there, word of the museum spread. In the 20 years since Lee's legendary marbles and collectibles opened, it's become a pilgrimage of sorts for serious collectors and an intriguing curiosity for the casual passerby. Michael says he appreciates that the barrier to entry for marble collecting is really low. I like the fact that you can basically, um, pretty much anyone of any means can collect. Yes, you can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on it, but you could also have a, you could do it for 10 bucks if you wanted to. You might not have anything that your hardcore collectors would have of note, but there's definitely some neat looking marbles out there you can get pretty cheap. <laughs> so it's kind of a, it, it scales well at least. Even Michael remains enchanted by particular marbles that cross his path? Um, I, I like to find the oddball things that generally shouldn't exist or just flukes usually. Um, the Germans made a marble known as an onion skin, and they had ones known as an onion skin lutz, which have gold sparkles in it, and then they made onion skin micas, which has silver flakes of mica in it. Well, this one had both, which is unheard of. <laughs> and I've never seen another one since. Michael and Lee say that they're both tickled by the museum's ability to draw in fans at every stage of life. They even sometimes give out small bags of marbles to the kids. The grandparents like to see the grandkids get into it, but you get a lot of the younger parents or your, you know, 90s kids. Well, you know, a lot of people didn't realize, but the Pokemon came out with marbles back in the 90s. (laughs) And, um... I actually try to sell some of those, and kids are like, oh my goodness, Pokemon models. (laughs) So you get the multi-generation there where the parents and the kids both into it. Michael says there even seems to be a little bit of a resurgence in marble collecting. There have been marble conventions in recent years throughout the U.S., in Texas, in Maine, in California. And serious collectors and historians sometimes even gather around old machines and make a new batch ultra-limited edition marbles. Michael says maybe, just maybe, in a world dominated by online digital spaces, it's nice to focus on something solid, material, and beautiful in the palm of your hand. I do think there are more people getting kind of back into it just to unplug anymore, because, you know, you're glued to your computer and your cell phone, like, constant, so it is nice to unplug for a while. So the next time you're cruising across the plains of Nebraska, stop by Lee's Marbles and hold a little beautiful piece of history in your hand. This episode was produced by Willis Ryder Arnold. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore. Our technical director is 
Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.